doesn't suffice with coming down in some general way. But Hashem Kivyochla has a taiva, the Lashon of Chazal. Hashem has a taiva to be down here in the nitty gritty details of the world. The Meshilach, the Ishvitzer, in many places, has a call which he develops. He writes also in Parshat Shabbatim. I don't think he says it by name. It's found in other Sfarim by name. I don't, I don't think the Meshilach ever uses this term, although I could probably do a quick search and find if he ever says it. There's a concept which is found in many of the Kadmonim and many of the early Tzadikim called Koach HaPol Ba'Nifal. The ability of a Poel, of someone who's acting, to in some way imbue from his very activity, from the very fact that this thing belongs to him. And Kalvachomer, if he's using that thing in some way, that is to say, like we find by certain tzaddikim, that you know, it's not just that there's a historical value or something like that, but you have five certain tzaddikim, you know, they're talis, they're tefillin, they're gartel. Rav Cook had one of the Chabad Rebbe's, he had a, a piece of cloth from one of his jackets that his mother made into a yarmulke for him that he had, that he only wore in Yom Kippur, and one time when he was macabre upon him from the, from the Rebbe. Koch HaPol means that the clothing, the person's clothing, the person's house, the walls of a yeshiva, They have the koach of the poel, of the one who acts with them, the one who does what they do, becomes within the thing that they created. The Ishbitzer writes in the beginning of Psicha uh, Koleles, in some level, to Parsim Shvatim, he writes that you see the great principle of the koach ha-pol ba-nifal in Parsim Shvatim, that Hashem expects that a person's belongings, a person's cow, a person's, a person's <coughs> animals, an extension of him, there's a certain responsibility that like we find in the Gemara that the cow of a certain Tana is held on a certain level, is held to a very high... Chanina Bendosa, Gemara tells a story, Chanina Bendosa, his neighbor said, your, your goats are sometimes munching on my, uh, on my grass, occasionally Gemara Tainus. Your goats are sometimes wandering into my field. He says, Chas my goats wandering into your field, meaning can't be. He said, when my goats go wandering sometimes into the forest where they regularly go to eat, he said, if my goats have ever even once eaten from your food, so then may a bear come and eat them and they not come back. And the Gemara says in the Tainus that that night, the goats of Rebbe Chanina came back and they had <coughs> bears on their horns that they had. Bears came, tried to eat the goats, and the goats stabbed them with their horns and they came back holding the bears on their horns. Kamar says that Rebbe Gamliel had avadim and Eved usually, Rebbe Gamliel, Shnais and Brachos, Tavi Avdi, Lokeshar Kala Avadim, that Rebbe Gamliel's avadim and Shvachos, even though normally you don't give them special titles, Gemara says, you don't call an Eved Abba Ploni and an Ima Plonis for the Shvachos. Abba is a title of, you know, 
father, uh, father so-and-so, mother so-and-so, the title of endearment and the title of honor. Usually by Avadim, we don't have these honorifics. By the, by the Avadim of Rabbi Gamliel, Koch HaPol Nifal, Lo Kishar Kol HaAvadim, Kasher Haya, like the Mishnah says in Brachos. The Tavi was a, an avid kasher that he used to sit in the sukkah and try to listen to the shmuas of the Chachamim, like the Gemara says in Maseches, Maseches Sukkah as well. He sat shiva, shalom ke, kedin, haragil, because it was such an adam chashuv, and that's because that's because the koch is in the nifal. Whatever happened in Parshas Yisro, whatever happened in Parshas Yisro that Hashem came down and revealed Himself to the Jewish people, the koach of the Poel Harishon of Hashem was the Matzoi Rishon, to use the language of the medieval philosophers of the Rambam and others. The Poel Harishon, the first actor, Hashem's a good Poel. And Hashem wants that the Koach HaPol should be felt in the Nifam. <coughs> that we should not only recognize but acknowledge more than three times a day. To acknowledge and to stand before Hashem and to recognize that whatever happened by Harsina, whatever happened by Barisha's brother, that the koach of that pu'ula that Hashem did, it extends to even this lowest world. By extension of our acts of Kedusha, by extension of our being careful in matters of Mishpat, that even our physical possessions should be imbued with a certain sense of sanctity. The necessary step after Parshish Yisrael is a mishpatim. I wrote about this in the Sefer about by Rav Cook talks about how one of the beautiful things about the Torah, probably the most mysterious and almost miraculous thing about the Torah is the Torah's ability to descend into the most mundane things in the world. And I wrote there about something when I was your age, when I was 18, 19 years old, I'm not that much older than you, but when I was your age, I was your age, and a hot dog was a nickel. I had the great fortune of being in Tzvat with a few of my friends. And I met a very fascinating fellow who, I think he's written some books and he's been interviewed. A Jew who goes by the name of Nathan now, of Nassim, who was born as a prince of a royal family in a, what sounds like a made-up country called Swaziland. It's a real place. His father had the koach of life and death, like a king, you know, like you get off with your head. And he was the crown prince. He was like, uh, not that, he's a living person. This is not like, uh, and he, because of his knack for languages, was sent to go study in university in the Queensland. And he studied uh, many different languages, and he took a course in studying Lashna Kodesh and studying Hebrew. <coughs> and part of his assignments were to go and to, you know, translate certain passages from the Bible, from the Tanakh. And he said that something overcame him. He doesn't. I guess this is the way of. That's what happens to a, a ger. That something overcame him when he was, you know, he was studying lots of different languages, lots of different texts, but something overcame him when he 
he had read it in English a number of times, when he studied the, the Parsha of the Akedah, Akedah Sitzchak, anyone who knows the story about when Rav David Cohen, the Nazir, came and found Rav Kook for the first time, that also the Akedah did it to him also. Mesir Snefesh of Avram Avinu, which is the ultimate expression of Behei Baram, that Hashem created the whole world for the sake of Avram, who had a hey added to his name. By Avram Avinu. Everything Avram Avinu touched turned into Ruchnius. <laughs> Reading the Akedah, somehow that event, that historical event, which took place so long ago, was still so charged with the energy of that that it, it moved him. He wanted to look more into Yiddishkeit. Still, he wasn't, it wasn't like a love at first sight type of thing. So, listen to the story that he said, and this is why I'm sharing this with you because he said that he went into the I think he said in Oxford, in the Oxford Library, Cambridge, Oxford. He went to, went to the library over there, and he asked the librarian to help him find a section on Jewish texts. And he came to the section in the library that had all the Sfarim, and he found himself drawn towards a Rambam, towards a, a book of the Mishnah Torah. And he opened it up, and he looked inside the Sefer Mishnah Torah, and he was perusing through it, and he couldn't make any sense of it, but he found the English translation, and in English he was already milumad. He was in university, in English was the, was the language of the university. He, so he, he took out this English version of the Mishnah Torah, and he started looking through it. And we take it for granted, because we grew up with it, a lot of us. But he was just blown away at the way that the Torah has something to say on every facet of life every aspect of life, every part of physical life, and every part of spiritual life, and every part of, from the most seemingly mundane things, sometimes to very lowly things, disgusting things, it's hard to go, especially we're learning brachos this year in yeshiva, you, go, you can't go like one or two dapim without hearing about tzoa or keri, or you know, these things that are of like, the Torah has something to say about all these things, and quantifies it, boxes it in, and shows how does this relate to the world of spirituality. Rav Kook says that on a certain level, the whole goal of Talmud Torah is to find these jumping points, these mishpatim, to take the grand experience of Matan Torah from Yisrael and to turn it into itemized, little bite-sized pellets of ruchnias that a person can come into contact with everything in the world. When you're getting dressed and when you're washing your face, when you're walking out of your house, when you're walking into your house, when you're preparing a meal, when you're going about your business. Torah has something to say about every single scenario in a person's life. And he was so blown away by this. <coughs> Excuse me. He was so blown away by this that it set him on a journey instantaneously after he saw this. That he said, this is a book like this, I've never seen something like this. It's so all comprehensive. That he ended up converting to Judaism and he lives in Tzvaz now. I don't know what's going to be with Tzvazland who's going to take over instead. He must have a brother or something. <laughs> it's not his concern, not our concern for right now. That's Nisava Kodesh Baruch Hu Dir That Hashem, through this thing called Matan Torah, which starts by the creation of the Rinachman writes in Kutmaran that the Aseris Hadibros are hidden within the Asar Ma'amaros. Meaning from the moment that Hashem created the world, from the moment the Aseris Hadibros the Asar Ma'amaros, excuse me, Shinir Baham Sa'olam, that Hashem created the world, 
He was waiting to be mishapich listen to Aseris HaDibros. And from that moment on, from the moment of the Aseris HaDibros, the most natural thing to happen right after that is for these big, big, big ideas, this earth-shattering experience of Matan Torah, this bitol hayesh mamish, where the, everybody died twice by Matan Torah, this huge encounter with the divine, with the transcendent, totally ineffable, not able to be spoken. Shomer v'zachor v'dibor echad, these paradoxes of things that can't be explained in regular using, we heard two things at the same time, something which can't be said by a person and can't be understood by a person. Somehow all of that translates into the, mo- the immediate thing after that. First of all, immediately right after that is go back to your tents. Be with your family. Go have a meal. Husbands and wives to go off together. That's Ruchnias. The Ruchnias is like sitting in, you know, meditating on top of a mountain. And Ruchnias is bringing Hashem into the tiniest details of Dine Mamnus. I think I shared this story once before. My first, uh, my first year when we moved to Eretz Yisrael, my wife and I, so I had the great privilege of, of learning and teaching Torah in Torah Shraga and meeting an extraordinary Jew who was the, the Mankal, the Scott, for those who go to Raita, of, of Torah Shraga. By the name of the Mankal was named Mickey Mark. Hashem in Komdomo, Hashem should avenge his blood. He was murdered in cold blood together. With his, I mean, his family survived, but he was murdered while he was driving with his family. An exceptional human being, an amazing human being. A Jew who was Moser Nefesh for Eretz Yisrael and Binin Eretz Yisrael. Tam Chacham. And I remember the first conversation we had. I walked into the office. I was still, I guess, on the young, younger side than I even am now. And uh, he was trying to explain to me like how maskoret works, how like a salary works in, in Eretz Yisrael. So I walked into the office. I recall I, was, I, I was, had a Shemi Shmuel in my hand. And he said, oh, you like playing Shemi Shmuel? So we spoke about Shemi Shmuel for a few minutes. And we sat down. And he looked at me and he said, I was like, okay. Is, you know, I'm like pulling out my collar, like a little hot under the collar, you know. I was like, So I said, you know. You know, so he saw, I was like, he saw like I didn't know what he wanted. And so he goes, and he went like this. For those listening at home, on the recording, he rubbed his two fingers together, the universal sign for money. He said, <laughs> You know, like this. He rubbed his fingers together. Yurat Shemayim is how does a person make sure that Hashem is not just found in a transcendent meditative moment, but it's probably the deepest, some of the deepest, most profound spiritual moments in my life. And I, I could share this with other people who, who know this, or Bavram, you know this, one of the deepest, deepest moments, profound moments of, of Ruchnius in my life is watching, on the occasional times, watching my Rebbe Rav Baruch Simon pay for a slice of pizza. You know what I'm talking about? Watching Rav Baruch Simon pay for a slice of pizza. It's a pella atzim to watch. He takes the money out of his pocket, or out of his wallet, takes his wallet out, 
He takes out a he takes out a, a dollar bill and he checks it to make sure it's one dollar, not two dollars. Takes out another one, five dollar bill, twenty dollar, whatever it is. And he takes it, and he flips it upside down, make sure it's real, you know, like this. Is, and then he, he gives it to the person and he says, how much, how much is it? And they say, and they give him back the change. He counts every single bit of the change to make sure it's exactly, it's not a penny more than he was supposed to get. And he says, like, a, a few, he's like, you're sure it's okay? He's like, it's okay. Well, this is a person who's a, 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 a Rosh Hashiva. He's a successful, normal, healthy member of society. This is not something. Like, <laughs> but to watch him pay for a slice of pizza is, is to recognize the Koach HaPol Banifal, to recognize that Whatever lightning bolt, whatever electric shock <coughs> sent through the world by Matan Torah is still pulsing <coughs> through the heart and mind of this person that the Kotzker story that we already know is a few weeks in a row to repeat. Well, Sigzal, there is no... If it takes something, it doesn't belong to me. It like goes against nature. So Hashem should help us. Parshat Mishpatim means the whole Indian of Parshat is filled with laws of civil laws and all types of interesting things like this. So the Ishbitzer is telling us that Eila Mishpatim, the Eila Mishpatim, that these Mishpatim are the necessary, natural next step after the receiving of the Torah. And that Ratzah Kaddish Baruch Hu, Misavah Kaddish Baruch Hu, Lassus Dir B'Tachtonim, that Hashem wants, that the Torah should come down into every detail of our lives, that our goats should be holy, that our pizza should be holy, that our shoes should be holy, that our homes should be holy. Hashem should help us to learn this lesson.
supposed to be used for carrying things up and down a hill and you know, traveling distance with heavy objects, etc. But donkey, let's say, this donkey is it's not really not supposed to use this donkey for plowing. It's not made for plowing, this type of particular donkey. A particular special type of breed of donkey, it travels long distances, but, but uh, putting something on its back is said, but schlepping like a, a heavy plow it's not something uh, the donkey's for. So the din is that if you borrow something, and there are many pages in the Gemara about this, you borrow, many discussions, you borrow something which is really, its use is for something misuyam, and then, so you think, listen, I asked my neighbor if I could borrow, you know, his microphone, the Seder. So I was going to use his microphone to sing a song, but then I saw that... Uh, had this nail that needed to be knocked into my wall, and I used the mic. But I already asked him to use it. So if I, if I knock the nail into the wall with the microphone and I break it, I use it shalom b'tzorcho, not for its regular use, and then I break it. So that's that's called being poshaya, and then I'm responsible. So the Torah says that if I borrow an object from somebody, 
Chiyishal ish me'imre ehu. Benishbar o meisbailav. Ein imo, if it breaks or it dies or something happens, and his bailav ein imo, shalem shalem. There's a price to pay. And the next passage says, im balav imo, lo yishalem. If he's a shoel and the, and the borrower is with him, lo yishalem. So the Rever of Yevi said such an amazing thing. We know all of us have on loan, we're all borrowing the koach of life. Achas sha'alti meis Hashem. There's one thing we ask from Hashem, but there's one thing that we borrowed from Hashem. And that's a chilek elokom yimal mamish, like the Pasuk says in Eov. There's a piece of the divine, a ray of the divine light, which is animating our existence. And it was given to us for a very particular reason. From the base Medrash of Ger, Chidush Arim said that by Yom Kippur, by Ni'ila, we ask Hashem to help us, to forgive us, and to help us to rectify the Oshak Yadeinu. It's one of the last things we say in Ni'ila. Like at the highlight of everything, after we've poured everything out, the last thing we say, help us to, help us to do tshuva for the Oshak Yadeinu. Oshak Yadeinu means for the, for the stowaway stuff that we've stolen, the things that we've stolen. And the Chiddush Rim says that this is the Indian, that we're asking Hashem, because what are we asking? You know, we have lots of stolen things. Stamanat, so many stones. That's not like a big, you know. So one answer is, like we were saying a second ago, Mishpatim. Mishpatim, being careful about the paper clips if you work in a yeshiva. They say I'm talking to myself, but I'm the only one who works in yeshiva here, so. I've been careful with the paper clips and the staples and the pens and making sure, or whatever job you work in, making sure that and making sure that if you travel on Kvishesh, you pay your bills, you know? There's a, there's a toll to pay. And making sure that you don't owe anybody money. <coughs> and having good records of these things. That's number one. Number two is, though, that Hashem gave us an Hashem. And if you're Sho'el from Hashem, if you borrow something from Hashem, like the Hashem, Hashem expects that you're going to use it in a certain way. If you use it, not for its regular tashmash, for its regular use, and you break it and you make it dirty and you occlude the divine light which Hashem is waiting to share with you. Shalem Shalem. But the Rebbe of Yebi said something which is amazing. And I'll use a language from the Gemara <coughs> which Rav Cook writes in Orsa Tshuva. I don't remember exactly where it is. I want to say, I want to guess that it's in like Tesvav or Tezayin, Tesvav or Tezayin. But that might not be true. Rav Kook uses a lashon from the Gemara. The Gemara says, "Hatoa b'dvar mitzvah," someone who is toa while they're in the middle of doing a mitzvah. In other words, you're so, you're so osik in the mitzvah. You're so busy doing this thing of mitzvah. It takes all your concentration that you accidentally do something. Not even this is not osik mitzvah patzman mitzvah. That's only for ases. But there's a category called toa b'dvar mitzvah. Person messes something up while they're in the middle of doing a mitzvah. So there's a certain level of not being held responsible. Toa B'dvar Mitzvah. Rav Kook says there's a, there's a way of life, there's a posture of life that's called Toa B'dvar Mitzvah. There's a way of putting yourself on a track 
in life where you are a person who I'm constantly in Dvar Mitzvah. That's not something that comes in, in one second. That's something that takes a long, a lot of work. But to get in that, to roll in that program takes a second. To mamish be like, uh, you know, a graduate of that program, that's, that takes a lifetime. But to enroll in the program of I desire, I wish to be in the track where Nasa Vinishma, whatever, whatever you want, Hashem, I'm on the program. And even if I don't actually do everything because I sometimes mess up when it comes to the poel, but practically speaking, in terms of like, I want to be doing everything. I'm not anymore saying like, you know, I'm not hedging my bets. I'm like, I'll do some things. And I'm, in the, I'm on the program. Person who's on the program like that is called, Rav Kook says, together with Tov Dvar Mitzvah. And if you mess up, so you pick yourself up, you go weiter. <coughs> it's not so much the level of making tikkunim every time you mess something up, because you're Tov Dvar Mitzvah. The Reverend Yevi says that, Acha Sha'alti Meis Hashem, there's one thing that I want from Hashem, Osa Avakesh. I want to be with Hashem. I want to be on that program. Because imbal of emo, what was the Pasuk say by the Shoel? I borrowed the neshama, and sometimes the neshama gets broken because I used a microphone as a hammer. Or I used a donkey, which is used for travel, I used it for plowing. And I ended up messing something up in the neshama, which was given to me to do specific pu'ulos, tarag mitzvos. But imbal of emo, this is not like a trick, this is not a, you know, police benevolence association card you like pull out like your father... <laughs> give some money to the police and you like get caught with a ticket and you're like, here's my license officer and you hand him like this little card that says like your dad gives money to the police and you try to, that's not what this is. It's not like, Baal of Emo, like, you know, I'm with Hashem. So like, like people sometimes do that. Like I have a Jewish heart, you know, like I don't have to do the mitzvahs because that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a person who's living with Torah and with Hashem in such a way that they're doing everything they can consciously and digging into their subconscious to try to figure every simon and sif in the Shulchan Aruch is in its proper place. But at the same time, part of the human condition is that we sometimes do things shalom, kederach tashmisha. We don't use the neshama in the way that it was intended to be used. And the Reverend Yevi says that if we're borrowing the neshama from Hashem, we're borrowing this thing called life from Hashem. <coughs> And we can honestly look in the mirror and we can honestly say, Baal of Imo. Hashem is with me. Hashem is at the forefront of my considerations. Sometimes I miscalculate. Sometimes even though Hashem is at the forefront of my considerations, there's a Hester that's so dark or I have something which is so troubling that I sometimes occasionally mess up in something. But I am not just using that as an excuse. I'm working on that. And Hashem is at the center of my life. In Baal of Emo, Pasuk says, he doesn't have to pay. Tov Bidvar Mitzvah. And the flip side, the flip side, which is maybe a little bit more terrifying. The Heliga Mojitzer Rebbe pointed out to Pasuk in this week's Parsha, She's talking about a machlokas between two Jews, B'davar Mishpat. Pasuk says, I'll call davar pesha. 
על שור, על חמור, על שא, על סלמה, על כל אבידה אשר יאמר כי הוא זה. Simple interpretation of this pasuk is that if you are a paid watchman, you're watching someone's object, and then it goes missing, and there's a machlokas, you claim, I, I, I give it back to you already, or and he says, you're still watching it. So pasuk says, I'll call davar pesha, anything when it comes to negligence, Shor, al chamor, al seh, al salma, kol aveda, shayamar. Kyuzeh, you say, this is it, you have it, you, I give it back to you, you see, that's it. And then it says, this isn't it, this is a different thing that I have. So Pasuk says, Ad Elohim Yavo, you should come to the, or Elohim in this case, you should go to the judges, and they'll judge you to see which one of them is correct. So Tzadikim say, that this pasuk is the secret to Talmud Torah in general. It's the opposite. Before we're talking about being osik in the world, listen to the reading of this pasuk. I've called Davar Pesha. You know what the, the biggest Davar Pesha in the whole world is? The biggest Davar Pesha in the whole world is when a person is learning Torah. And like I told you a second ago, just five, five ten minutes ago, whatever it was, I told you five, ten minutes ago, the Torah is filled with the most nitty-gritty details of reality. What's it filled with? Al kol pesha. You know what? Al kol the, the biggest pesha in the whole world is al shor, al chamor, al se, al salma, al kol aveda, asheyomer kiuzeh. When a person is learning the Torah. And they're learning about a shore and a chamor, and they're learning about clothing, and they're learning about avedos, and they're learning about these things, and they say, Ki this is it. Like, this is the Torah. This is what Hashem came down in the year 2448 on Har Sinai. This is what He came down to tell us. That if one shore gores another shore, so like, here's the halacha. Whereas in reality, the Torah requests of us, is begging of us, is demanding of us, Hashem is, is asking of us. Don't stop by saying the shore and the chamor and the salma. This is it. That's the, this is what the Torah is. Bring what you're learning. So we have a strange, a strange reality here. On the one hand, a person who's bal of emo, even if they make a mistake, they could be not doing something. But if Baal of Imo, if Hashem is with you, so then everything's okay. On the other hand, you can have a person who's sitting and learning the Torah Kadosha. They're learning about Shor and Chamor, and they're learning about all these different things. And they say, Kiyuzeh, this is it. There's no divinity in this. There's no Kedusha in this. <coughs> There's no deeper meaning in this. And by the way, it's not only Shor and Chamor. It could be anything. You could be learning, you could think you're learning a, a deep piece of Sasemes or Nesiva Shalom or you're learning a, you know, a, a passage in the Zohar, and you say, Kiyuzeh, this is it. I, I understand the piece. Ad elokim You have to bring it to the place until you're finally recognizing that. This is elokus. This is a mashal for elokus. This is the mashal akadmoni. This is the, the ancient parable, the parable of a parable, the parable of Hashem. And then a person won't think that the details of the Torah which come down into the lowest place don't go back up. They go back up. 
the divine light of Hashem comes down to the most basic things in the world, inspires us to be able to be more careful with Dine Mamanus and Dine Yom Yom. But then it has to be brought back up. It has to, it has to go back to Adel Elokim Yavah until it reaches the divine. Which is why, which is why, just end with this, which is why Mishpatim ends at the end with like, it bookends this Indian of Matan Torah a second time. Nasa Nishma and the whole Hashem takes uh, blood, puts half of it on the Jewish people and half of it or on representatives of the Jewish people the way that we show them say it's not on all the Jewish people. There's like a second almost retelling of a certain bris of Matan Torah that takes place at the end of Mishpatim. Because in Yiddishkeit, the Zohar has a long passage about this. The operative principle is klal uprat uklal. Klal, Matan Torah, prat, all the details of the Mishpatim. But then you have to make sure that those details of shor v'chamor, that the, the light of Hashem comes down into the tiniest details of creation, like we were saying before, but don't say kiuzeh. Don't think that that's it. Bring that back to Hashem, bring that back to the experience at the end of Parshat Shvatim, where we're standing in front of Hashem making the bris of Nasa Vinishma. That we recognize that there's always more to hear. Nasa will do what you're asking of us right now, but there's always more to hear after. Nasa, Achshav, Mashanachnu, Mevinim, will do now what we do understand, but Nishma, there's so much more for us to hear. <laughs> Yeah.